2: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: This is The Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on vSIN.
4: Good morning. It is the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM here on v the Sports Betting Network. I'm Patrick Maher. He, of course, is Michael Lombardi as we go coast to coast on my friend an easy Sunday morning. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, absolutely. Lionel Richie would be happy with today. It's
5: awesome. I mean, good college football day, a little bit of an imbalance. That was fun. You stay awake. I watched a little bit of that Hawaii game. I'm not going to lie. It was pretty good set out there. It was a lot closer game than it ended up, didn't it?
4: It's going to be a long season for our boys on the island at Hawaii and Tommy Chang. I, I did stay up, although I wasn't raging like you were. We'll get the picture up in a little while. I mean, the party was nonstop at the Lombardi abode yesterday and you getting good use out of the new TV out on the deck there. Uh, everything's good. Yeah, we got it set up. I think we're good. You know, a little, you know, a little technical problem. When you're
5: my age, you know, technology doesn't always come easily to you, Patrick. So you have to kind of work your way through it. But I think under the guidance of our, our technical advisor, Bill Berman, we got it worked out.
4: So it was good. It was a <laughs> nice, nice evening. I see the luminaries showed up. Bill Berman, happy birthday to Bill. And then you see Thomas Gable also hanging out. Of course, our partner, race and sports book director there at the Borgata. So good to see the crew as we get you going. Uh, Not good to see Scott Frost as he returns to Lincoln. Uh, Let's discuss it, a 31-28 loss in Lincoln. Uh, This is, I, I pulled up a quote because I just want you to react to it. So Scott Frost, who continues to be a disaster, to be fair, he fell to 15-30 and 30 at his alma mater, 5-21 and 21 in one-score games. Here's his quote about the onside kick. Remember, they were up 11, onside kick out of nowhere. I made that call, mm-hmm. so that's on me, Frost said. At some point in the game, I felt all the momentum was on our side. I thought if we recovered it, we could win the game. Here's the interesting part. I felt like maybe we were the better team. You can't really foresee them scoring 14 straight, us sputtering after we played well to start the second half. Those are excuses. If I had it to do over, I wouldn't have made the call. That is a man whose confidence is spiraling.
5: Yeah, and it's also a man that doesn't understand the game of what is happening on the field, right? So the job of a head coach is simply this he's got to figure out who's in control and who's in the lead all the time. And if you're in control of the game like he indicated he was in that statement, then you don't need an onside kick. You're controlling the game. Play field position. You know, why risk it? What's the reward? You know, you're, you're up. You're going to be able to take the game over. You're in control according to what your analysis is. So, to me, it wasn't well thought out. It was too much risk not enough reward to do that. But I think the complex issue here for Scott Frost is one of the things we talked about yesterday. Defensively, they were returning almost everyone. And Northwestern isn't exactly a powerhouse offensively. But Northwestern, we know they had good running backs, was able to, to put points on the board against the Nebraska team that's going to have a long season based on what we saw in Dublin yesterday.
4: A Nebraska native, of course, former national champion, sh- champion Scott Frost there at Nebraska, a legend, a, ch- a great player. Remember, he got the job off of that 13-0 season at UCF, so there was a ton of hype and a ton of expectations to kind of revive a program. Then when I was coming up, of course, Nebraska was it. You know all oh, about yeah. that. And it just yeah, has happened. But he also...
5: Th- I thought he threw his coaches under the bus, too. You know, I I didn't think he showed leadership after that game. And, look, he got the job because of his offensive acumen at at Central Florida, which we have not seen at Nebraska. I mean, remember, Bill Callahan got fired at Nebraska. You know, Bo Pelini got fired at Nebraska because they didn't win enough. I mean, Scott Frost doesn't win at all. And he's still there because he's an alum. You know, and this is really one of the problems in college football is what I call a remember-when school. We remember when we were good, but we don't understand how to get better. We don't know how to take it to another era. And I think because there's such – we have to have our alum. We have to have somebody who was here who understands our program. No, sometimes you need to have somebody who can tear the program down and start all over. And I, and I think well, that's the case at Lincoln. And, look, you know, look, the the, the Tre, Trev Albert, the, the, the new athletic director – I mean, he's got to make the call. He got, a, he got a great contract. Did he get a great coach?
4: So if he's known for his offensive acumen, he blew out the staff and brought in Mark Whipple. He has nothing to do with calling the plays anymore. It's almost Correct. like just every time, every step he takes is a step closer to going out that door because there's not many excuses, and you could hear it in the quote. He's just like, look, this is on me, and you could just almost feel his confidence dissipating as he continued to talk. Yeah, no doubt, and I mean that. Conf- look, you know, it's you've got to be able to
5: when you're messaging, you're messaging to your team too. You know, those quotes are that resonates within the locker room, and you know it's too early in the season to have that kind of co- quote. You, you've got to yeah. be a hey, look. This is a mistake. We're going to grow from this. This is not who we are today. I believe in the team. We're going to move forward. We're going to be a much better team than we were today. It's early yet. You know, you still have a full season to re- rectify the whole situation.
4: Okay, Michael. Elsewhere, college football week zero. You mentioned Vandy 63-10 on the Big Island there. Also, Wyoming, Illinois. It's going to be a long season for Wyoming, Illinois. Nice little start there. Defense played very well last year, 38-6 over Wyoming. Elsewhere, it's going to be a long year for Nevada and New Mexico State. We talked about that being low scoring. It was 23-12. Charlotte got the beat down by Florida Atlantic, which was surprising.
5: Yeah, and the quarterback got hurt. Reynolds got hurt early in the game, and I think that just took everything out of it. And I think that's the problem in college football, especially – well, it's the problem in pro football. You lose your starting quarterback, good chance you're not going to win the game. And I think that's what happened with Charlotte. They got blown out. Tats off to Willie Totten, Neil, the kid. that They played really well yesterday. And, you know, Charlotte wasn't – you know, we were worried about them defensively. But I would have thought they would be able to do more offensively with their quarterback. But once he got hurt, that became the problem.
4: Well, quarterbacks are very important in college football. Quickly on the quarterback situation at Michigan, which we discussed. So Harbaugh, I think he's trying to keep – one of them from transferring because Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy are going to – one's going to play week one, one's going to play week two, and then Harbaugh's going to announce his starter for the rest of the season in week three. What do you think about the unconventional approach from a guy that is – he's a weird duck, that is Harbaugh. Yeah,
5: I mean, it's an interesting way to do it. I'm not sure – you know, I think obviously he has confidence in both players, but he clearly hasn't had the ability in preseason camp to figure out who should be a starter. And, you know, the level of comp week one to week two certainly will indicate that because he'll play against better teams against his scout team. Remember, in college, they don't go ones against ones. They go ones against twos or ones against scout teams. So it's always difficult to judge where we are in that situation. You know, look, in this, I'm, I'm disappointed that they haven't been able to say this is our quarterback. I always believe that you've got to find a way to make that decision. I mean, Texas A&M decided that based on you know, based on what they've done this preseason camp. Notre Dame feels like they have their answer at quarterback. I think Jim will find it, but it's in a kind of conventional way. There's no doubt.
4: Okay, Nessun, don't worry. I've got plenty on the Patriots coming up for you in just a little bit. But I will talk about a guy that is familiar with the Nessun audience, and that's Tom Brady. Uh, he and Tampa went to Indian. Got beat down 27-10. That's not important. What's important is Brady, one drive, 11 snaps, 6 of 8 for 44 yards. He had that 20-yard completion to Julio Jones, which led to a field goal. More importantly, he talked about his 11-day absence. It's all
6: personal. You know, everyone's got different
5: situations they're dealing with, so we all have really unique challenges to our life. And, uh, you know, we're I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of going on, so... You know, you just got to try to figure out light the best you can. And, um, you know, it's a uh, continuous process, so. (laughs)
4: <laughs> that is that is a married man with children. Quote, I'm a forty five year old man. There's a lot of s going on. Yes, there is. There's a lot of s going on. That yeah, that no is doubt. my that's my favorite How about the fact that he's wearing a hoodie talking about being a forty five year old man? The irony, yeah. I love it. But what do you got on what, I know. You, what do you got on your boy? Well, I, I think he
5: looked you know, I mean he threw the ball really well. I mean his, you know, they didn't play particularly well against the Colts, but I thought he looked really good throwing the ball. I know it was inside the dome and all that, but I thought he looked good. I thought he looked spry. I think he'll be ready to go opening day against the Cowboys. I mean, he looked like he was ready. Their offensive line, looked like, to me, Patrick, it looked like they'd lost another offensive lineman. I couldn't tell. But, uh, you know, I think that offensive line wasn't what, what he needs it to be at this point. They're going to have to improve before they go into Dallas, which, you know, Dallas's front. That's the strength of their team. Parsons, Russian, this young kid, Sam Williams, Lawrence, all these guys coming,
4: Fowler. They're going to have to do a really good job of protecting him in week one. So we wrap up the preseason today with two games, Giants, Jets, Lions, Steelers. Uh, but you just mentioned uh, Tampa and Dallas. That's going to be Sunday night. Do you know the number? Let's go ahead and play a game with Michael Lombardi. Tampa, Dallas, who's the favorite? What are they laying on Sunday night, that
5: 9-11? I'm going to say they are Dallas. I'm going to say the Bucks are laying two and a half. One and a half. Tampa's One the favorite half, yeah. on the road. They're at Dallas Sunday night. It'll never go to three. They're never going to give you the three number on to the road team to the home team, you know, because it's going to be a close game. We'll see. Dallas has got to sort through their injury bug in the offensive line. I don't know what they're going to do. You know, they didn't play any of their players in the final preseason game, so that's going to be challenging to see tonight. Today, you know, we still have two games today. This is going to be interesting. I, I just want to look here. The Giants, the Jets are a all oh, the jets are up to 5 in some shops and the reason the jets are a 5 point favorite today against the giants is the jets giants they've had inter- they they played they practiced against one another but now this game the giants are playing twos and threes and the jets are going to play all their starters they're going to get this is going to be their unveiling of their team so i think that's why
4: that line has moved significantly towards to the jets and, of course, the drama with the Lions and Steelers, really all that's left is, is Mitch. We're probably, what, 75% sure he's going to be the starter week one. What will happen after week three of the preseason with the Steelers?
5: Yeah, I think Mike Tomlin might be on the same program Jim Harbaugh's on. You know, he might have to <laughs> wait two games before he makes a decision. You know, I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of them will go, this will be a good game to watch at 4.30 this afternoon, East Coast time, uh, because it will be kind of get us a chance to see. I think Mike's going to play this. The line indicates the Steelers are going to play their guys. It's already up to 6.5 in some shops across the, the board here when I look at the board. So I think this will be a good one. I think the Jets, now look, here's the thing about the Jets that's interesting. In talking to people, and I know we got to go to break. Well, well, we'll catch this when we come back because I think it's important to, to week one in the game against Baltimore.
4: Okay, the Jets conversation continues when we come back here on the Lombardi line. Also, the Patriots. Injuries are a concern. I'm going to ask Michael Lombardi about the Pats coming up next right here on the Lombardi line. It's v the Sports Betting Network.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
2: Hi, checking in for... And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VCN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again,
4: here's Patrick Maher. Okay, so the season officially kicks off Thursday, September 8th. Rams host the Bills, so you still have, what, 10, 11 days to study. Well, the VSEN Pro Football Guide is out now. It just dropped on Thursday. It's incredible. 110 pages, digital, betting information, Super Bowl, playoff predictions, season win total, best bets, bookmaker breakdowns. I mean, it's incredible. Remember, the only way to get this and the college football betting guide, Michael Lombardi. Articles, point spread weekly, the whole kitchen sink through the Super Bowl is to become a VEASAN all-access subscriber. It's very simple to do. It takes 30 seconds. Just sign up. And right now, 175 bucks gets you everything we offer. That's 50% off. So you're going to save a ton of cash right now. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Okay, we got you back here, Lombardi Line. Our friend Claudia Bellefato is going to join us later in the show from Nesson to talk about the Patriots. I'm going to set you up on the Pats, who are sitting 8.5 as far as their win total, which is surprising because they won 10 games last year. And remember, going into the season last year, the Patriots were sitting 9.5. Do the bookmakers know something? We'll find out from Michael Lombardi. But you wanted to follow up on the Jets. So the Jets tonight host the Giants. They play in the same barn and the Jets are laying four and a half. They are sitting at DraftKings at five and a half, the Jets, on the season win total. You know, the
5: feeling I get from talking to people throughout the league, is the Jets, this Zach Wilson injury for the Jets, doesn't really worry them. Like, they actually think at this point where they are as a franchise, they're better with Flacco than they are with Wilson. Only because of Wilson's inability to really buy all in. I mean, I don't think Wilson has devoted himself to the preparation or understands what it takes to become a professional football player. And I think that they can run what they want to run with Flacco, the check with Mies, the get in the right run, the kind of do all the different things. Is Flacco as talented as Wilson? No. But I think on the field, from talking to people, the Jets feel very comfortable that Flacco gives them a better chance, especially in the month of September, to win games. And it's interesting how that line adjusted because of the Wilson injury, when yet most people at the Jets feel like that it gives them a better chance to beat Baltimore. So food well, for y- thought. Yeah.
4: Yeah, no, it's great, Michael, because the line you're talking about is week one, Baltimore, they're in Jersey at the Jets. As soon as it was announced, it goes six, six and a half up to seven. First off, if you're Baltimore, you'd prefer play Wilson. You've heard the Jets wide receivers talking about Flacco throwing a catchable ball. The idea, and remember, we talked about you, you jump on the Jets if you can get seven right now because many shops have come back down to six and a half below that key number of seven.
5: Yeah, so I, I just, I think to me, the book reacted differently than what I believe the people in the league would have reacted and maybe that's the variance you have to have in this betting market which is so close you know there's a perception oh they lost their starting quarterback so the line's got to drive up but yet in reality he's the starter because he was picked second overall he may not be the best player currently on the
4: roster at that position speaking of the rosters we got to get to 53 by what, 4 p.m. Tuesday, your time? Michael, I'm concerned uh-huh. about the Patriots and Nesson. This is going to be bumpy, so buckle in on this easy Sunday morning. We're worried about Tyquan Thornton, who had the surgery mm-hmm. on Monday to prepare to repair the what he broke his clavicle. That's right. So, and, and that is that's a big miss for them, a big part of their offense speed, playmaking ability. Taekwon Thornton, the rookie who you loved out of Baylor. Also, Ty Montgomery who is the type of guy Belichick loves, run the ball, catch the ball, special teams, he's injured. But let me go back to where I set it up last time. The Patriots won 10 games last year. The books said, well, we got him at 9.5, so the number was right. The books got him at 8.5 this year. Should the expectations be lowered on the Patriots?
5: I don't – you know, I, when I watched them the day I was out there, I thought they were improved defensively. There's no doubt. I, I think that their speed, McMillan playing linebacker, to me, is a huge upgrade over Hightower's lack of ability to run. Same thing with Jamie Collins. He couldn't run anymore. And I think you could see that. He saw it in the game. There was a, a play over in the flat. The Raiders ran, and McMillan tracked it down for no gain. I mean, last year that would have been an eight-yard gain. Uh, they did not play well the other night. They were soft. They were catching blocks. I think it was an exhausting time, you know, having been against Carolina and then against the Raiders. I think they're going to be better defensively. I do. I think offensively they have to find their identity. I think right now everybody's focused on the play caller. I think when I watch them offensively, I think it's more about who are they going to become, right? They're trying to run the outside zone. They haven't been successful at that. They've got a big offensive line that hasn't played to the level, I think, this summer that it needs to play to. And I think it's a power line. I think it's a double-team-knock-you-off-the-ball offensive line, not an outside zone run team. So I think they're going through some of these things. And I think once they can tie all that that together i think mac jones uh, when he settles down and he starts to have some confidence in his line and in his receivers i think he's going to play really well i thought he was quick-minded the other night i thought he made a couple bad mistakes he ran out of the pocket too soon you know and got sacked early in the game he should have stepped up there was a receiver open and then he you know threw the bad interception coming across his body but you know they got enough skill offensively i think they have enough talent offensively i think it's got to all come together And I have faith in the head coach. He's not the winningest coach of all time to not understand the problems. And who am I to say what they are? I mean, he knows what they are. He watches the tape, and I think he'll fix them.
4: Devontae Parker, Aguilar, who's having a great summer, Uh, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, so important for them last year. Let's go to the running back position. James White retires. Uh, Damian Harris sat out the finale, who was great last year. I don't know if the injury is a concern there. But Ty Montgomery, let's talk about him and his loss, serious ankle injury in the preseason finale.
5: Well, I, I think they can overcome that. I mean, he'll be back at some point, maybe not in September, but he'll come back. Same thing with Thornton. I mean, the clavicle is something you got to fix, but it's certainly something he can come back from. He's got tremendous talent. I think uh, Thornton was looked at as like, wow. But if you understand how Thornton plays, I don't think you say that. You know, I I think what Bill mentioned earlier this summer about Ramondo Stevenson's ability to catch the ball can offset Ty Montgomery. Mm -hmm. The thing you like about Ty Montgomery is his versatility. He can go play receiver. He can go play – he can do a lot of different things. They may have to just be a little bit more conventional, which I think kind of plays into this. I think sometimes when you have too many things going on, you end up doing too much, and doing less sometimes is better. With Harris and Stevenson, those two guys are really good. You know, and, and Pierre Strong, if he can protect like they need him to, they can certainly get him the ball. But those two running backs, Harris and Stevenson, can protect and they can
4: catch the ball. So let's talk philosophically about this a little bit. Rookie quarterback last year, ten wins, a playoff appearance. The bookmaker said we've got him at nine and a half. Remember, the Patriots spent lavishly last offseason. So a lot of that that momentum as far as the market had to do with the, the spending. The books are saying eight and a half this year. What do you think the perception or what do you think the reason for the drop a whole game as far as the season win total in the market is?
5: Well, I think the schedule's harder. Obviously, they play the AFC West, right? So, you know, they got to do that. They have to play there. And then, You know, Buffalo dominated them in the last two games. I mean, they beat Buffalo only because the wind was blowing so bad. You know, they didn't make Buffalo punt in the last two games. So I think that plays into it. I think the way they ended the season defensively uh, certainly can affect that and affect the win total as you look at it. But I I think they're a better team than they were last year. I really do. When I watch them, they're a better team. Now it's got to come together. You know that's that's easier said than done. It's got to come together, and the schedule is tough. I, I mean, you know that schedule to open the season up, Patrick. Wow, look at that. You know, you got the yeah, Dolphins down there where they don't play well. They've got to go to Pittsburgh, which is always hard. They got the Ravens, Packers, you know, Lions, Browns. I mean, you know, it's not exactly a walk in the park here. They don't play the West. I'm sorry, they only play the Raiders in the West. But to me, they play the North. You know, which is AFC, uh, NFC North, and and they play you know the AFC. What else do they play? They play the AFC. They play the West. No, they do. They have the Cardinals. I'm trying to look at it here. They have the Cardinals. Yeah, so that's, that's who they play. And they play the AFC North. So they got the Bengals, which is a fairly tough division. They got the Bengals, the Ravens, and, and the Cleveland. Those three teams are comp- competitive. So I think ultimately when you look at that schedule, uh, it, it, it's harder to win 10 games with that schedule.
4: We talked about the tricky start Michael at the Dolphins, constantly Patriots fans know what that's about at the Steelers, they host the Ravens and then they go to the Packers and then they come back for the Lions, get a little respite well, there. You know,
5: that that schedule's always about like okay, you open up with Tua, you open up with two quarterbacks that are not great, but then you got Lamar, you got Aaron Rodgers, you know, and then you've got to figure out what's going on in Chicago. I mean, they don't have great quarterbacks. But they have some where they, they're going to be hard to play. And so that becomes a real issue. You know, that's really what it matters most is can they defeat the Josh Allen one time? Can they beat him? Can they able to do – can they beat an Aaron Rodgers? Those are the key games that you have to find a way to win. Because if you can't beat Tua in Miami, then it's going to be a longer year because he's not an elite quarterback. I know that doesn't go public perception-wise, but he's not.
4: <laughs> well, you just killed my tease because you do realize that Tua – had a perfect quarterback rating in preseason week three. We're going to get to that next. Hold on. Before you go there, before you go there, take a stab at the number at the Dolphins Patriots week one.
5: I would say that the Patriots are a two and a half point, two point dog. I don't think they'll give you the field goal down there.
4: Yeah, you nailed it. Two and a half. Miami's no, a two and a half point favorite to host, host the Patriots. They're going to they're
5: hold off on that number there. Uh, you know, look, look, based on the way they played, the, the Dolphins beat them twice last year. That plays into this 10, why the number came down. The Dolphins beat them twice last year, and they're not as, and the Dolphins are better with Tyreek Hill and Waddle. I don't know what they're going to do with Gasecki. They're talking about maybe they're going to move him. We'll see that in the next couple days here. But I think it's going to be a challenge.
4: I feel better about the over eight and a half with the Patriots after listening to you talk about that defense and the improvement, the speed, everything that's needed on that defense. When we come back, Tool was perfect yesterday. I'm serious. We're going to discuss it next here at Lombardi Line.
3: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on vSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick
4: Maher. Okay, it's ExpressBet. Get a $10 free bet when you sign up for First Bet. Bet, ExpressBet, vSEN's preferred horse racing app. Use the code HORSE200, H-O-R-S-E-200, H-O-R-S-E-200 and get 10 bucks instantly. Also, you get a $100 match on your first deposit up to $200. So they've got wagering at over 300 tracks, AI-assisted picks. The First Bet app is the easiest way to bet on your favorite sport. They got secure payments, great, attentive customer service, reliable website. You can get all the details at vcin.com slash horses. That's vcin.com slash horses. And our boy, Jeremy Plunk today, Del Mar in the 10th, he likes a good horse, graze in touch at seven to two on the morning line. At Del Mar, the great race place in race seven, Jeremy Plunk likes the seven horse opening buzz at four to one. A good price on opening buzz in the seven at Del Mar. As we welcome you back here on the Lombardi line. He's Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. As we continue to chug along. And speaking of chugging along, how about your boy Tua? The first play against Philly, Tua found Tyreek Hill for a 51-yard reception on a touchdown drive. Three for three on that drive. And then overall, he was 6-7, for seven, 121 yards, Tua, to a touchdown, no picks, very clean from your boy. Thoughts? Well, I
5: think this is a great learning experience for the betting, betting public today as we go into the Giants-Jet game. I mean, this is a game where Miami decided they were going to play their guys. This was also a game like the Giants jet game where Philadelphia said, no, we're not playing anybody. I mean, they played Vincent and McCain at corner. Tarrant at safety they played all the guys that are on the bubble so when you put your ones against threes you should move the football you should score you should dominate and I think that's exactly what happened so I don't I throw this game out I throw Justin Fields 148 rating against Cleveland throw that out like these games you have to balance it just like you have to balance how bad Trey Lance was you got to balance that too right because it'll be game plan so to me I don't really pay attention to it. The the interesting thing is who the Eagles didn't play, not who they played. Pray tell. Well, they played nobody. I mean, their, their list, I mean, they didn't play any of their players that are going to make the team. I mean, if I was in the league, okay, and I was trying to figure out who Philly was going to cut, I would open up the game book and I would say, okay, every player that did not play is on their team. So how many does that add up to? OK, and then let's figure out, you know, remember when you used to go to the doctor's office and you'd open up that highlight book and you'd have to figure out, find the missing pieces. Well, that's what you're doing. You open up the doctor book, you find the miss. you know, who who's on the bubble? Is Tarek going to make it at safety? Is he on the bubble? You know, is Milton Williams, this defensive kid tackle they drafted? Him, is he on the bu- like that's what you have to figure out? I mean, the fact that that Tua played great, he should play great. The fact that Tyreek Hill ran past uh, Vincent or McCain, he's going to run by most people, but especially guys that aren't going to be playing in the league.
4: Nine wins last year. New coach, McDaniel, is in. A plethora of talent offensively, Michael Lombardi. Tyreek Hill is in. The Cheetah, your boy, Jalen Waddell. Of course, They're just up and down, they've got a ton of talent. The number over at DraftKings on the Dolphins is set at nine, so similar to the win Uh, As far as the wins last year at nine, where are you at on the Dolphins overall? You know, I worry
5: about their offensive line. And I don't now look, they haven't played Armstead yet. Last night, they played little at left tackle kid they got from carolina i'm not sure he can't play left tackle they need armstead to play healthy but he's always been a guy who's a really good player but has lately has had a hard time staying healthy especially as he goes over 30 years old i worry about the right set of their offensive line with austin jackson at right tackle i think they're very skilled i think they'll run the ball effectively they don't have a lead blocker i think one of the things that bothers them with gasecki is he's just really a receiver So they don't have that that Kittle guy, that on-the-line blocker that they need to run this style of offense, which I think affects McDaniels and his play calling as he tries to build around this. I think that's why, even though they franchise Gusecki, I think they would part with him because he doesn't fit the Shanahan, I want a big inside receiver. So defensively, I do think they're good. I really do. I think their front's physical. Their front's solid. They've got good players on all levels. I mean, I loved Holland, the safety. I gave him a red chip grade this year. I, I think the the inside players, whether it's Wilkins, whether it's Zider, all those guys they have inside are really good. They're physical. They're hard to play. And I, I think they're going to be a tough out. I think it'll be hard. I think that ultimately it comes down to can Tua make plays in bad weather? Can Tua make plays when he gets pressure? And I think that's what what's to me is a eight or nine win team. I think they're perfectly set.
4: So you mentioned Gusecki. I think there was a surprise this week when we heard about the potential trade rumors and McDaniel came out and kind of squashed them. But when you come from that Shanahan offense, you got that tight end's got to block. Gusecki's a freak yes. as far as talent wise, but he's not going to block for you. He's, a, you know, it's, it's when he's see what I think, and I
5: keep saying this and it just tries to be crazy because nobody's that covers the games or broadcast the games talks about this, right? When Gaseki goes on the field with three receivers, The defense doesn't react as if they're in 11 personnel. The defense reacts as if they're in 10 personnel. One receiver, I mean, one back, no tight end. They don't count Gusecki as a tight end. They're not worried about any strong side run game. Can he block a corner? Sure. But can he block at a seven technique? No chance. No chance. Can he block a nine? No chance. The other thing people don't understand is the protection scheme. When he's in the game, he's not pass protected. He can't. He's not going to r- handle a defensive end. So you become one-dimensional. When when they run, and everybody will love it. Kyle Pitts, he's the greatest tight end in all of football. He's not a tight end. He's a wide receiver. Nobody counts him as a tight end other than the media. Now, when he gets ready to do his contract, trust me this, Patrick, he doesn't want to be t- known as a tight end. He's going to be known as a receiver because he's going to make more money as a receiver. So, like, that position is difficult if you don't have another guy to go with it. And I don 't think McDaniel wants to be in 11 personnel with no blocking tight end i don 't think he wants to be in 12 personnel with no blocking tight end. I think he 'd rather be in 21 with a fullback and a blocking tight end
4: every time you bring up Kyle Pitts you start yelling at me i don't even know the dude you just it, the, on, it drives me ins- it
5: drives me insane that we still talk about him as if he's a tight end. I think he's a wonderful player, <laughs> no. but he's not a, he's tight, not a end.
4: tight end. No. Look at his shoulder pads.
5: I mean, he's a wide uh, receiver.
4: <laughs> he wants to get paid like one. I can guarantee that. Hey, quickly. No that's, on no Miami. doubt. When it, when
5: it, if you ask him when it comes time for the green stuff, when Ben Franklin shows up, he's going to list himself as a wide receiver. He's not going to list himself as a tight end.
4: Shout to Benjamin. Um, so. They wanted Sean Payton. They wanted Sean Payton and Tom Brady, they being the Miami Dolphins. They get McDaniel, who's a weird cat. I know nothing about him. If I'm a better betting on the Dolphins, I'm putting faith in a weird... Well, I won't call him a weirdo. I'm putting faith in a guy that we don't know a ton about. What are your circles telling you about McDaniel?
5: I mean, you know, look, he he was supposedly the run guru out there in San Francisco, and I don't know. You know, Kyle's pretty much runs everything. I'm sure McDaniel's had an influence, but I don't know how he reacts or leads people. When I watch him, I would question his innate ability to be a dynamic leader. Okay? But I haven't been around him enough to really know whether he can do that. I'm sure he's very intelligent when it comes to But this is a compartmentalized team now. No longer do they have a head coach. They have somebody running the offense. Josh Boyer's going to run the defense, and they've got their special teams coach. So it's all going to see how it works. Now, will they figure out, will McDaniel be able to understand how to use all three phases to win the game? That remains to be seen. I don't know that.
4: So if you were just to start ranking tight ends right now, tight ends you respect for their pure ability to play the position in 2022, where are you going to start?
5: Well, I'm going to start with guys like Kittle. They actually play right. tight end. You know, I'm going to start with Darren Waller who can play tight end. I mean, Travis Kelsey plays tight end. Now, he's different. He's a big receiver, but he can exactly get in the way. It's not perfect, but the way they run their offense, it works for them. I mean, to me, I made – you know, yesterday we had Jordan Schultz on. He was talking about Fryermuth, the kid from Pittsburgh. Yeah, I put him in my red chip players already because at least on the end of the line, he can block. I mean, he can block at the end of the line. He's good in the passing game. He can do certain things. I mean, Hunter Henry can block and do certain things. Those are the kind of guys you have to have. What you have to have at tight end is when the defensive coordinator sees him on the field, he's thinking run and pass. Okay, I can't go there. You know, that's what made Gronk so effective. Because when Gronk's on the field and you're in an 11 personnel, you've got to have somebody who can play over him that can handle the strong side run game.
4: Atlanta sitting five on the board for regular season wins. That feels optimistic. I I, I think it does. I mean, I think all this, you know,
5: I I mean, I think it does. I don't like their team. I haven't liked their team. I don't. I mean, I know they put twenty eight on the board last night, but you know, I'm I'm going to defer that. I I don't like them. I think it's going to be challenging for Mariota to stay healthy. I mean, Matt Ryan did all he could do to stay healthy, and what they wins five six games last year. I don't think they're a better team this year. I really don't. No I don't think they're I don't, I don't, I don't think they've improved themselves. You know, you can't say they're a better offense. I know what Dean Peace was saying on national T V on Monday and we're tired of all like he's got no players. Like I don't know how they're gonna be able to hold up. Now they didn't play their starters yesterday either. So in fairness that their backups were better than Jacksonville backups, even though you know, Jacksonville played you know, the Jacksonville didn't even start Trevor Lawrence, so I think ultimately, I don't like Atlanta's depth. I don't like their team. I specifically don't like their two lines. I think that's the biggest mistake they've made the last two years. They've
4: drafted two receivers in the top 10. That's not team building. I do like Arthur Smith's, the lamb chops, the mutton chops Mm -hmm. that he has. Kind of giving a shout out to Chester Arthur, one of our presidents back in the day. Speaking of which, I have no transition, so we're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns next with John Doss, who works in television there in
0: Cleveland. You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with AMAX.
3: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics,
2: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once
4: again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, this is a great deal from BetMGM. Pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences today on Sunday. You can place a $25 one-game parlay on any Major League Baseball game, and you'll receive $10 free instantly in a bet that you can use on any sport. Regardless of your bet's outcome, you're going to get to 10 bucks. So log into your account or download the app and sign up with BetMGM to get that $10 free when you bet on a parlay today in Major League Baseball. It's the king of sportsbooks. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Got to be 21 years or older. If you have a gambling problem, it's 1-800-GAMBLER. This promotion, Not available in Mississippi, Nevada, New York, or Washington, D.C. Okay, Michael Lombardi there in Ocean City, New Jersey, off the big birthday celebration last night. I'm Patrick Maher here in Los Angeles. We're going to head to Cleveland now, Michael, and welcome in John Doss. He is the sports director at WEWS-TV in Cleveland, also tremendous Browns Countdown host. And as we say good morning and hi to John, I'll start here. Stephen Bonner, our producer, told us that you also covered the Bills for years. So let's start with the contrast. How would you compare Bills fans and Browns fans?
6: I would say probably the two most similar franchise fan bases in football. And it's no secret, both had struggled for decades. And, well, now the Bills are good. The Browns are still trying to catch up. But two groups of fans that, no matter the conditions, no matter the team, no matter the win-loss record, they pack their respective stadiums. And there's
5: something to be said about that, right? They're all a little bit nuts. <laughs> John, I, I love that. it. You know, you might you might be the next voice of NFL films the way you're going right there. I think that's awesome. And, you know, both cities are <laughs> on Lake Erie. Both have to – both have to endure those, though. I'm sure for a guy that grew up in California, you learned quickly about the uh, snow zone, about, you know, when you live in the Ooh. the snow area and all that. So it, it's it's you've got to be tough to live in Cleveland, especially in Buffalo in the wintertime. But I, I want to go to the team. How You've been to practice. You've watched everything. Where are you when you watch Jacoby Brissett, thinking that he's going to have to play 12-plus games and lead this Brown team?
6: I was a lot more okay with it than I am now after last night. Uh, Giving Jacoby Brissett the benefit of the doubt, right? No Nick Chubb, no Kareem Hunt. Uh, Three-fifths of his starting offensive line did not play last night. Amari Cooper did not play last night. His skill position players were completely depleted, right, in the final preseason game last night against the Bears. But Brissett looked like a guy who hadn't played football in a while. Similar to Deshaun Watson when we saw him make his Browns debut a couple of weeks ago in Jacksonville. I think that he's going to catch up. I do have confidence in that. The good news is the Browns don't need him to go out and win football games. They've got inarguably the best run game in football with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. They don't need him to go out and throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. But they also can't afford to have him lose ball games. Last night, he looked like a guy that was a little bit unsure of himself in his Browns debut.
4: John Doss joining us here on the Lombardi line, taking a deep dive into the Browns. Take us inside the locker room, Stefanski, the players, with the Deshaun Watson situation kind of looming over the organization all offseason. How has it impacted the team inside the locker room?
6: Well, Kevin Stefanski is as tight-lipped as they come. And you want to compare Buffalo and Cleveland, Sean McDermott was very similar in his first couple of years in Buffalo. As they started winning games, I think McDermott opened up. Stefanski has not gotten there yet. He has been adamant all along that they had had a plan since they traded for Deshaun Watson back in March. These guys are not stupid. They knew Deshaun Watson would be suspended a lengthy period of time. I don't know if 11 games was more or less than they thought, but how can you not be a player in this organization primed to win now? One of the most talented rosters in the NFL ton of returning starters, still a bunch of guys on this roster that were on that 2020 playoff team that won a game in, in uh, Pittsburgh and were very close to going to the AFC championship. How can you not feel some kind of way when you are primed to win now? And then this quarterback that you mortgage the future that you spent $230 million guaranteed on will not be there for a majority of the season. And this guy, Jacoby Brissett, who's a great leader, everybody likes him in the locker room. I don't know how many people truly believe he's going to get them to seven and four through those first 11 games.
5: So that that follows up with are that you think they may dabble in the Jimmy Garoppolo market in the next two days? I don't
6: think so. Kevin Stefanski is um, he's a pretty truthful guy, right? He doesn't give us a ton, but what he gives us is pretty truthful. And uh, they truly believe that Jacoby Brissett can, can, can be the stopgap quarterback to get them to Deshaun Watson. Again, quarterback, is not going to be the most important position for this team for the first 11 games. They're going to lean on the run game. They're going to lean on David Ajoku at tight end and Harrison Bryant. I mean, poor Amari Cooper comes over here to Cleveland. I don't know how many passes he's going to see because that's just not going to be their style of offense. So I don't think that they think Brissett is is going to be all that detrimental to their offense, and I don't know that it's worth the the headache of going out and the, the dollar value of going out and getting Jimmy Garoppolo.
4: Okay, the suspension led to the books dropping the Browns down to eight and a half on the season win total. Was that an overreaction, John?
6: I don't think so. No, I think when it was six games and you look at the beginning of the the Browns schedule, which the first six weeks of the season is the easiest schedule based off of last year's records, of course, in the NFL. So when it was six games, you said, wow, the Browns really could get through the first six games, four and two, maybe five and one at the defense plays at a top five level like they did at the end of last season. When it's 11 games, it's a different story. You look at those first 11 weeks and it's tough to envision this Browns team having a winning record by the time Deshaun Watson comes back.
5: And when we talk about the defense, I I agree. I think they have all the elements to be a great defense. But what concerns me most, John, is their inability to play red zone defense. They were 27th in the National Football League last year in red zone defense, which translated into them being 18th overall in points allowed. Do you feel like they've improved in that area? Has there been an emphasis towards the red zone defense this year?
6: Well, I think that the best policy then would not be to let teams get in the red zone, right? Uh, I think that they have improved. (laughs) I think they've improved at virtually every spot. Maybe the front four has a couple of question marks. They've improved at linebacker. And I truly believe there's no reason they shouldn't have the best secondary in football, if not a top three secondary. They have returned virtually everybody, and they got better with the rookie, MJ Emerson, who has really impressed this offseason. Uh, and and they, they don't even really need him to play when you got Denzel Ward, Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams. And uh, I think that this secondary is set up to be very Very good. So I think this defense should hopefully pick up where it left off in 2021.
4: John, who do you like in division? The Ravens are slight favorites, plus 140. The Bengals plus 170. The Browns plus 380. The Steelers are 10 to 1. Who's John Doss like in division?
6: I think that the Bengals come down to earth a little bit. I think they got hot at the right time last year. I think offensively they should still be very, very good. I think a little bit of reality check in Cincinnati this year. And vice versa, on the opposite end, right? I think Baltimore wasn't as good last year as it should have been because it had so many injuries. I mean, the Ravens were were wrecked maybe more than any team in the NFL, certainly through the first half of the season. So, Lamar Jackson, you know, he's going to have a lot to prove in 2022, and I believe Baltimore is probably going to be the class in this division.
5: Okay, Evan McPherson, I think you put it well. They won a lot of close games, got hot at the right time in Cincinnati. Evan McPherson made 14 straight kicks. You got McPherson in Cincinnati. You got the great Justin Tucker in Baltimore. The Browns (laughs) use a fourth-round pick for Cade York. How good has he looked, and is he in the Evan McPherson class as a rookie being able to deliver? Cade
6: York has looked incredible. His uh, 1980s mustache notwithstanding, he has got an incredible (laughs) play. He, I think he missed one, maybe two kicks all training camp. There was a running total on how many kicks Cade York had missed, and it took him the first two weeks to miss a single kick, and that was from all levels on the field. He did miss last night, 58 yards going into the dog pound, just slight left. Then he banged through a 57-yard, and it looked like it would have been good from 67. Cade York is the real deal. Kicking in this division is tough. You guys know that. Maybe the toughest in the NFL. But Cade York is the real deal and uh, and hopefully gives the Browns their first kicker since Phil Dawson last kick for him in 2012.
4: One minute. Yep. Give me a synopsis on the Baker legacy in Cleveland. Uh,
6: it's still to be determined, right, because they got to see him in week one in Carolina. And I, I don't think that it has helped this entire preseason that Baker Mayfield has looked pretty darn good. And he looked pretty good against the Bills a couple of nights ago. And that hasn't helped this whole situation. I think if you went back and asked Browns fans, I would say a healthy majority, 60, 70 percent, in hindsight, would have stuck with Baker Mayfield. His legacy is still being written. He's a guy that broke a nearly two-decade-long playoff uh, drought here in Cleveland. Fans, I think, are always going to have a soft spot for him. But that kind of personality, you know it. You have to be a winner. And as soon as you start losing games, people can turn on you real quickly. That's what happened with Baker Mayfield. If he has success in Carolina, I think people in this city are going to be rooting for him and wishing he never left.
4: That's John Doss, sports director, WEWS-TV in Cleveland, host of Browns Countdown. That was tremendous. I need to get a voice like my dude here, Michael Lombardi. That's, that's <laughs> no, a he, tremendous he, voice. Hey,
5: John, you, you are living up to the great Casey Coleman at WEWS, that station there. So congratulations. There's, Appreciate you.
6: There's been a lot of great guys there. I, I'm just hoping to be next in line.
4: Enjoy the season, John. We'll talk to you down the road. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. Take care, guys. Good job, Stephen Bond. That was, you know what? We'll talk about what we Tremendous. took away from the conversation. Here's what I'll tell you. I don't think he's very high on the uh, on the Browns right now. And we'll talk about their numbers coming yeah. back here on the Lombardi line, presented by BetMGM.
1: What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, Ho-